Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts, Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell, have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in. Okay, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with the CEO and co-founder of O3 Energy, Brad Stutzman. Brad specializes in entrepreneurial startups, project development, real estate finance, and energy finance. O3 Energy is a renewable energy services company whose focus is providing energy solutions to heavy power users. O3's energy expertise is the development, financing, construction, and operation of energy generation systems and facilities. The company as a whole specializes in providing their clients with affordable, clean energy through on-site generation. O3 Energy is growing like crazy. So Brad, my new friend, let's get right to it. Thank you for being here today. Thanks for having me, Drew. Yes, sir. So typically when we start off this conversation, I'm, I'm asking about the origin story and we might get into your story some here today. But like I mentioned before we got recording, I want to take a little bit, a, a little bit different angle. And where I want to start is present day. And I just want to get a sense of what your world is like. Our world in general has changed so much. We've been all forced to be at home and now some places are open and we're back and forth. And so I'm just curious, what, a, what does a typical week look like in your life right now when it concerns work? Well, I mean, right now it's very dynamic. I don't think there's anything static about the, the weeks uh, with, uh, you know, COVID. Uh, everything seems to change daily, right? Um, sometimes we're having, you know, some sort of, um, you know, back and forth of masks in the office, not masks in the office, things of that nature. Um, it's kind of a hybrid sort of uh, model right now. Um, I try to make it in the office as much as possible. Uh, most of the team tries to make it into the office as much as possible. But, uh, you know, for instance, uh, you know, I think someone the other day, they had, you know, their, their child had a COVID outbreak at their, their home or at their, their school. And so they had to stay home for the, the week uh, because the kid in her child had to quarantine. So, you know, it's uh, kind of, you know, if we can be in the office, we're, we're in the office. If not, then, uh, you know, we're accommodating accordingly. So, yeah. For you right now in your role, what would you say your time is most being used for? What, where, where are you most using your time? Um, as a well, as CEO, I feel like I feel like uh, not, you know a lot of my my time is uh, attacking uh, you know fires here and there that need to be put out. Uh, you know, getting a phone call from an employee that hey, this just happened, or you know, there's uh, you know how would how should we address this over here? For that, uh, I would say that's, I feel like that's 90% of my uh, my role on a day-to-day -day basis. I was about to ask the question, do you feel like you're a firefighter? But I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to lead the witness at all. <laughs> Has it yeah. always been that way? Or is that more recent that you feel like most of your time is spent just, you know, responding to things? You know, it's, uh, it, it comes and it goes. Um, you know, it's, uh, uh, you know, I feel like we go through these waves of, you know, there's a ton of little fires that we need to put out here or there, or, you know, then sometimes it gets situated. Plus also, you know, as we bring on new employees um, or rotate out old employees, um, you know, sometimes the these, these fires are also a learning experience. And so, you know, once a new employee encounters it once, then, uh, you know, they know how to handle it the next time, things like that. So they, I may not get that same phone call. So, sure. you know, look at it like that as well as a teaching experience and teaching the team on, on how I would address it and how they should address it themselves. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Now, what's the size of the team right now at O3? So right now we're around 30 employees. Yeah. Um, we were up before COVID right around uh, 50 and then we had to scale back a little bit. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, when we get into that firefighting season, you know, where, where that's our primary role, I often hear a tension between the urgent or the feeling of urgent, which is the thing that's breaking or the person that needs intervening or, you know, that kind of thing versus the important, the thing that is more right. future oriented, that is about the big goal we're going after and that they feel at war or intention. Do you feel that at all? Well, I mean, I, I feel like they're a lot of times at war for my time. You know, what, what uh, I mean. you know, what, what can I address? You know, it's, it's difficult to, 
focus on growth and focus on the future whenever you're sitting here, you know, uh, thinking about how to, you know, how do I address this thing today? And, um, you know, it's tough to, to look at the long-term planning. Um, you know, a lot of times what I try to do is just um, make sure that I, I, I delegate the, the proper time to, you know, one over the other. If, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type of person that I'll work on the weekends if I need to. And so a lot of times if it's something where this week I was putting out some fires here or there, I may focus on, uh, you know, growth or thoughts about growth over the weekend, um, you know, because uh, I can definitely do that on my own time while I'm, you know, in the gym thinking about things or, yeah. you know, walking, uh, you know, walking a trail somewhere. I can, I can, a lot of times I'll, you know, walk along the trail and just jot down ideas. Sometimes that's also gives me a better, um, uh, gets the juices flowing, so to say, and gives me a little bit better thought process. And I can just jot down some stuff on my, my phone here, there are some notes, email myself, um, with thoughts about, uh, you know, what I want to do for growth. Yeah. I love that. Well, that, that also just makes me think of, you know, you mentioning going on a walk, jotting down ideas as you go. Some of the things that help you, continue to show up and be your best at work, right? That either right. gives you back energy or clears your head or helps you see things. Talk me through that. Is there anything you do daily or weekly, uh, like you just mentioned, that really helps you just kind of be your best? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I like to work out every day. Um, you know, if it's nice out most of the time, I'm, you, you know, you can catch me on uh, the Katy Trail here in Dallas, walking the trail um, and, uh, you know, just, uh, you know, clearing my head in nature. And uh, that's that's one of my favorite things there. Also, you know, a, a lot of times I, I do some of my best work, I feel like on the road. So, uh, you know, a lot of times if I'm um, uh, a lot of times if I if I have, haven't had a business trip in a while um, where I needed to be somewhere for something, I may just schedule a trip to go because I want to go there. And it's a lot of times it get, helps me, you know, it gets me out of my 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 uh, environment that I'm in all the time. Um, you know, gives me a little bit different thought process, things like that. And so a lot of times I'll do that to kind of, uh, spur that, um, uh, that thought process. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And prioritizing that, right. Like right. You're, you're paying attention to what your body needs, your mind needs, sometimes even what your heart needs in any given season, uh, and making the time for that's important. Right? right. Man, it makes me think of, again, back to what we were talking about, because I'm in conversations with founders like yourself, obviously on the podcast every day and then in our work every day. And I just, I want to hit back on that feeling of being a firefighter. It's usually something they would, they would describe as regrettable, you know, uh, knowing that they're necessary. Like, yeah, of course, like I've got to step in and do that, but that it feels like sometimes the business is setting your priorities, right. Instead of the other way around, and especially right. if the business grows, you've got 30 people. You know, you've got a successful business with a lot of different moving parts. And at some point it feels like maybe the tail is wagging the dog instead of the dog wagging the tail. Right. Uh, is that how this feels or is it different in your case right now? I mean, it can feel like that on, you know, some days it can feel like that. Um, you know, I try to not let it ever get too far down that path where I have some, you know, where, where the tail is wagging the dog, so to say. Um, I, I think whenever you get to that point, a lot of times, um, you know, you may not uh, may not have full control over, you know, the the dynamics of the company. And so never want to fully get down that path like that. But, you know, certainly there are situations that may pop up on, uh, you know, on a, a on a you know certain day um, or, you know, certain week in which, um, you know, it does really feel like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you experienced this or not, but I'm leading my first business right now. So I have nothing else to compare it to, right? Uh -huh. And then you get in it and at some point you're like, what does it mean for me to be the, you know, the, the founder or the co-founder of like, what's, what's expected of me? What should right. I be doing? How do I, how do I think about my role here? And it evolves as the company evolves, right? Right. So how do you, is there anything that's helping you think through like, this is what my role is right now. This is giving me clarity on best use of my time or what the company needs more from me or less from me? How do you think about that? Yeah. So a lot of times what I think about is, you know, the, the, the quote that I always think is hilarious is whenever people, you know, come to you and they're like, Oh, it must be great. You have your own business. You're a CEO. You have no boss, you know? And I'm like, well, I do have a boss. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I'm like my customers are my boss. My employees are, 
somewhat my boss. Yeah. You know, and then we have investors, you know, investors are my boss as well. It's like, you know, I, those are the things that I have to take into account whenever I'm, you know, making decisions for the company. You know, those are where my priorities lie as far as as far as that goes. So, you know, you, you do have a boss, even though you are the boss. Yeah. 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 So when you th when you wake up every day, what what how would you answer the question? You know, the most important thing for me to do today is what? Uh, the mo most important thing for me to do today is to push the business forward. Mm. Um, you know, and, and each day it depends on what it is that the business needs to be pushed forward. So whether it's, uh, you know, uh, focus on some operations, focus on some sales, focus on, um, you know, some management needs here or there, um, you know, each each day entails something a little bit different. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's pushing that business forward. I love that. Even that is so helpful. Again, for me, I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. My main <laughs> job is to move the business forward, whatever that means, right? Yeah. Um, have you noticed that that has changed in in and out in, in from the beginning till now? Like sometimes at the beginning, we are doing all the work. We're right. landing the deals. We're, we're out there servicing the client, you know, and then at some point you're like, I think I need to hire someone to do that so that I can keep doing this part. Has that changed for you at all? Yeah, yeah, it actually has. Um, I would say a lot of times early on, whenever I was the one out there, you know, doing everything, um, you know, I, I'd bring on a new employee and they were there to, to, you know, support me. And now it's kind of changed the other way around. As we've gotten to be a bigger team, the team kind of does, you know, does the bulk of the work. And then I ask them, what do you need from me to, for me to support you? versus the other way around. Mm. Um, and, and a lot of times with that feedback, you can also see how the business is doing, where, you know, where they're tweaking, because they're the boots on the ground now. You know, I'm no longer the boots on the ground as much as I would love to be. I, I, I just can't do that much from a uh, from a day-to-day -day standpoint. I don't have that many hours in the day to do, you know, what is, you know, 24 times, you know, 30. I just can't do that. That's just physically impossible. So, you know, there's, uh, so my role now is to support them more than the other way around in pushing the company forward. Oh, I love that. It makes me think of some executive I was listening to that was saying very similar idea. My main job now is to remove the obstacles for the team. Right. They're the ones doing the work and I just got to listen and know what obstacles need removing so they can keep doing their work. Yep, exactly. How do you go about getting that feedback from your team is it just organic right now is it, is it you know you just in general uh, you know valuing listening to them or is there anything in particular you guys are doing to get feedback from your people well i mean we have our, our you know i have weekly meetings with uh you know different managers to get that feedback um and then a lot of times i mean i'll just pick up the phone and call them and say hey you know looks like you know this happened or that happened you know what are your thoughts on why that happened um, you know, uh, and, you know, a lot of times I'll even tell them, you know, just speak frank, you know, mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm not here to look at what's right or what was wrong or to scold anyone. I just want the feedback, you know? So I think that that's really critical as well is to try to take that, um, take, take that piece of that people being defensive out of the situation, because then you can get proper feedback versus, a tweaked feedback to, you know, someone's concerned about getting in trouble or, um, you know, some sort of repercussions because everyone makes mistakes and, right. you know, I make mistakes and we, we all have to work through them, you know, making a mistake is not going to kill us, but, you know, we need to figure out what we did wrong so that we don't repeat that mistake. Yeah. Those are totally different cultures, aren't they? The one where you feel like you're in a gotcha moment where the boss is calling and saying, Hey, what happened on this? Right. And you're trying to give an excuse, right. Or you're trying to, you know, protect yourself in some way because you're worried about the repercussions versus the boss is calling because you guys want to get better. And it's right. not about pointing fingers. It's, it's, Hey, let's just autopsy this. What, what happened? What, what went exactly. well? What didn't go well? Has that been difficult? Like if I, I've experienced, most people have had probably negative experiences before coming to work somewhere, or they've had, they're used to an environment of, you know, CYA, like covering your own right. ass. And it's, they're not as used to sometimes trusting you and saying like, yeah, he's just, he just wants to know what's going on. I'll, I'll share with him. Right. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I started, uh, we were having some, some issues with some of our uh, residential production. And so I really got involved with that to, to kind of tweak some things. And one of the things I implemented in the, the weekly meeting was, you know, 
what do we do? Because we're planning out the next week and looking back at the previous week. And it's like, what did we do right this week? And what did we do wrong? Mm. And, um, you know, the, it, it was amazing how much the guys would actually bring up, hey, you know, I, I did this wrong or this, you know, like I screwed wow. up here this week, you know, versus, you know, start pointing fingers at other people or, you know, uh, or just harp on everything that was great, you know, great for the week and just acting like nothing went wrong. It seemed like, you know, everyone was more apt to sit there and say, you know, I, you know, I maybe, you know, screwed up here a little bit, you know, but I learned from it, but, you know, I'm not going to do it again. Or, um, you know, we, you know, didn't get an order in on time. And so it was delayed a day, you know, little things that, uh, you know, were really tweak, you know, tweaking to help us get a little bit better. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Did you notice after implementing that, that you were getting useful information back that helped you change your process or your systems or your service better? Absolutely. Well, and then just a learning experience for, you know, individuals on the team as well. Yeah. Well, it makes me think of kind of the lean startup idea where the, the main premise is how fast can you go through the cycle of building, then measuring, and then learning? And right. you just keep repeating. All right, we build something, then we measure how it went, and then we learn from it and then we tweak what we did. And the person was basically saying like how fast you do that, how many times in a year you do that determines like how quickly you can grow effectively. Right. right. And it sounds like you guys are doing a version of that kind of feedback loop. Like we always want to know what went well and what didn't go well. Right. Absolutely. I mean, cause at the end of the day, nobody has all the answers and it's about figuring out what the, you know, figuring out those answers. Totally. And that's what I resonated with his, his basic premise was that entrepreneurialism, I guess, being an entrepreneur is in large part navigating the unknown. Right. We all like to think it's, it's known. We act like it's known. It's like, no, in many, in many aspects of this business, we are navigating the unknown. Right. Well, I mean, if it was known, it wouldn't be entrepreneurship. It wouldn't be something new that you're creating. It would be something that's, you know, been there forever. So, yeah. so these have to be new ideas. Well, especially with the industry you're in with renewable energy, I know it's not new, but it right. certainly isn't mainstream in terms of like, it's still, it's still being adopted as a, as an alternative it's in stages. Yeah. So what is that? Just talk to me about that. How challenging has that been that you're not just building a company in a known space that everybody's using gas or everybody's right. using, you know, electric energy for whatever, but we're in renewable energy. How, how difficult has that been? I mean, it's, you know, I've been in the industry for about 12 years now. So, you know, I've seen a lot of changes. And honestly, that's one of the things that I like about the industry is that it is in its infancy stages. So you don't have um, a lot of people out there saying, you know, we've done it like this for a hundred years and, you know, this is what works. All this other stuff doesn't work because people are still trying to figure out, you know, you see, you know, certain things that, you know, yesterday they said don't work in the, you know, solar space. Now they're trying and find out that they work, you know, so it's, 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 you know, it's just amazing. Some of the changes, you know, just for, uh, for example, um, you know, some of the technologies were, um, you know, you always want your, your solar panels facing due south if you're in the northern hemisphere, right? Um, and, uh, you know, it never go east and west with it. That was always, you know, traditional thought process. And then now some of the racking systems that, they, that they're coming out with are east-west facing, but the way that they have them stacked, you're able to squeeze more panels into a, a, a smaller space, that because you don't have shadowing over the other one, they're back to back um, because that you're capitalizing on getting a lot of solar or, or sun radiance in the morning from the east and then capitalize on getting a lot of it in the evening on the west. And so, you know, just these different these different attacks on or, or different takes on um, uh, how to implement it is, is really, uh, you know, original thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of innovation still right. available right where no one's just entrenched in their old ideas of how to do this it's a little bit of the frontier right right well i can imagine that being a challenge not uh, overcomable by any means but a challenge of selling someone right. is that it's not established that maybe last year they heard solar wasn't effective at all and then now they're hearing maybe it is like how have you guys gone about getting people to adopt something that's still somewhat in its infancy of adoption 
Yeah, so the the number one uh, the number one I guess hurdle for sales in this industry it seems like is education, mm-hmm. um, educating the customer on t- the technology, the things that work. Um, you know, that's that's the number one. Uh, you know, it's not difficult to get in front of a customer. It's it's difficult to um, to get in front of them to educate. I guess you know, there's tons of you know, you can put all sorts of advertising on the radio, you can put all sorts of advertising on the billboards, things like that. But it's tough to put all the, the education on those billboards, all the education on the radio. So you need to be able to get in front of them and educate them. And that's really what our uh, proposal process is, is going through and educating uh, the customer or the client on solar, um, what that means for them as far as energy savings, what that means for them as far as investing in their property, um, and the benefits associated with that. And so then when, once, once they're educated, it's a, it's a very easy sell once they understand the, the, the benefits. How does that actually look? Is that, is that like a tech meeting with someone at their home and he just starts talking, like gives them a free discovery of what they could be saving a year if they would use this based on where their house is? Like, how do you guys go about yeah. educating them? Yeah. So similar to that. So, uh, you know, we sit down with the clients, um, depending on if it's, you know, residential or commercial, um, depending on, you know, depends on where we're meeting them at. If say it's a residential and we're meeting them at their home, um, you know, we, we check out the, the property um, because every home is a little bit different as far as the way the roof is oriented, the pitch of the roof, you know, the type of shingles that they have on the roof. Um, you know, so every system is going to be a little bit different. So we evaluate that, um, you know, design a um, kind of a concept uh, system for them and run the energy modeling, uh, take a look at their utility bills and show what their savings would be on a month to month basis by going with the solar. And and, um, it's an an easy uh, evaluation. It's either the numbers work or they don't work, you know? Yeah. Does anybody ever look at the numbers even when they work and still say, nah, (laughs) I'm going to stick to the old way? You know, the, there's a few people here and there, um, but a lot of times that's because we didn't do our job well enough in, um, you know, it, it showing the benefits, mm. you know, addressing any other sort of concerns. Um, you know, if someone just says, no, I'm just not going to go with it, then that means we didn't we didn't address all of their concerns that they have. Yeah, yeah. Now, on that same topic, as we're looking at your company and how successful it's been, and I always say that knowing in your mind, you're probably thinking, yeah, I want to be, but there's so much more we, growth we have to go. But still, you've just, the fact that you're here has, has, has separated you from so much of the statistic of people that tried a company that didn't work out. Right. What would you attribute if you, maybe two or three things that come to mind that you think are probably most responsible for the success your company's having? The, the things that the company has done or the things that I've done? Either, whichever you would say, like, I think this is, this is one of the reasons why we are so successful. One of the reasons why I think we're so successful is, I, I mean, I think that uh, from standpoint of, of um, hard work, you know, I think mm-hmm. that, um, you know, I think that uh, I know I put in a lot of hours um, from, a, from a standpoint and, um, you know, the team sees that they do the same. And, uh, you know, as far as the, the culture and the group over here, you know, everyone works as a team and, you know, spends the time together whenever they're not in the office. And, you know, it's, uh, it's you know, everyone wants to help out the person next to them. And I think that that's really beneficial in, you know, moving the company forward. Yeah. Have you, have you done anything in, uh, intentional to foster that? kind of we mentality and that connection between people or does it just kind of organically evolved? No, we, we definitely have. I mean, we've, we have uh, team building events that we do, you know um, you know, uh, uh, events like going bowling where everybody, you know, can just hang out and just kind of get out of the office into a, a different environment. Um, you know, we have an annual um, you know, we stopped doing Christmas parties a while back um, and we switched it over to an annual kickoff party. Um, we found that, uh, you know, around Christmas, everyone was so uh, caught up with, um, you know, needing to, you know, with all, everything that's going on as far as their family goes, right? So, you know, everyone's going to, you know, their family Christmas parties or, you know, they've got a trip plan, things like that. And at the end of the day, they really don't care right. about a company Christmas party 
And it almost feels like an obligation, like they had to be there. Yeah. So what we started doing is we actually started doing an annual kickoff party. And so we would do it typically like the second or third week in, of the new year. So everyone's coming back after Christmas, after that time off. And, you know, they're, they're not thinking about, Hey, I'm going to, you know, I got to get this. I got to do that for Christmas. You know, that's all clear. And then you can build, set it up as this is what we're doing for this year. This is how we're going to be moving forward as far as the year goes and really set out everything. So it's, so it's a part, it's, it's, it's a late Christmas party, but it's also, you know, uh, setting the goals for the coming year and doing it in more of a recreational environment. I love that. Very smart pivot. You're, you're taking advantage of almost the momentum of the calendar. Right. Like once we get to January, we're already thinking about the year, and so we might as right. well have a get together now. Uh, how do you how do you go about setting the the big goals for the company each year? Is that you and a leadership team, you know, going away for a few days and having sp- specific conversations? How do you guys figure out kind of the year's goals for the for the company? Yeah. So one of the things we've done is just looked at the, the obviously you got to look at the past to look to see where you're going as far as the future goes. So, you know, we take a look at what we've done as far as the past year, um, you know, what has what has worked well, what hasn't worked well, um, and then focus on those things that have have worked well and how we want to expand upon those. Um, and, and that's really what we do as far as our planning goes, you know, and where we want to expand to as well. You know, one of the areas of, of large expansion right now is our residential side. Mm. Um, you know, residential solar has become very popular and um, we're really trying to grow that um, from a standpoint of different states. There, that takes a little bit more um, involvement as far as, um, you know, we have to have uh, an office in each one of the states typically because uh, it's too difficult to absorb travel costs. So there's a lot more that has to be built into growing that stand, that side of the business versus some of the other sides of the business. And so, um, you know, just planning accordingly for that. How do you go about keeping that in front of you throughout the year? You know, we all have big goals and then fires happen, life happens. How do you go about keeping that in front of you and making sure you're moving towards it? Well, I mean, it was easy until COVID hit. <laughs> and then and that really threw a wrench into it uh you know it, it, you, you know nobody knew what was going to happen uh you know throughout that luckily now i feel like we're kind of coming out of it um you know even though there's talks of of, of different things that are you know going to happen here or there i think that uh, at the end of the day i think that you know the uh majority of americans don't want to go back into a lockdown and i think True. The business will keep moving forward um, so, you know, uh, as far as keeping it in front of me, um, you know, I just don't like to look back, you know, just keep looking forward. That's really what, uh, you know, that's really what, uh, you, what the drive is and what you do as a CEO is just keep pushing it forward. Yeah. Um, and that's at the end of the day, that's what my role is within the company. And that's what I got to keep in mind. Do you guys review your metrics and your goals every quarter, things like that, or have weekly Absolutely. meetings about, okay. Yeah, every quarter. Uh, well, I mean, uh, on a, I mean, we break it down. I mean, depending on the, what the metric is, you know, we look at certain metrics on a week to week basis. Um, and then we look at metrics as far as a month goes, metrics as far as a quarter goes, and then annually as well. Hmm. So, well it, but it just depends on which matrix we're looking at, right? There's right. Some, some, some matrix that we need to look at on a weekly basis. Um, and then some of them, you know, we, we, you know, don't need to look at except for on a quarterly basis. Totally makes sense. What's the what's the primary challenge or uh, question to be answered right now? Do you feel like for your business to, to to move into whatever the next possibility is of growth for you? Oh shoot! Yes. What is going to be well? One of the things to always keep you know you always got to keep a, a tab on in this industry because it is moving, it's, it's always changing, as I mentioned, is what the new technology is, what the technology is gonna be here coming up, what pricing is gonna be for that technology, mm. and just keep all of that in mind. Um, you know, Is it technology that you feel is gonna adapt well to the customer, or is it technology that you feel is gonna be the, the, you know, the hot topic for a month and then people realize it's not really worth it? You know, so it's just really keeping an eye on on what that technology is that, it, you know, that people are really going to jump on board with. I would say right now, the technology that 
you know, is really starting to push forward is, is uh, you know, energy storage along with solar. Um, you know, that seems to be the current, uh, current push. Is, is some of that mandated and you have to just get to know what the new thing is, is mandated we use, or is it options that so, you, good. So in some markets, it's, some markets it's uh, mandated. Um, and then some markets it's, uh, it's options. And it really depends on the grids in those markets and uh, what the benefit is to the, to the, to the client. Gotcha but you're having to keep a constant radar on the changes, which I assume are pretty rapid. Is, is it, are, is technology kind of expanding and, and adapting pretty quickly in, in your market? Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. And um, you know, you can take a look at, at other areas wherever the cost of energy is a lot higher um, and see because typically they're quicker to adapt uh, new technologies because they can absorb it a little bit better because their cost of electricity is so high as it is. And so you kind of keep an eye on those markets and see what they're doing and what's going to end up, you know, maybe coming to Texas uh, eventually, you know, like for instance, the energy storage, um, you know, right now in Texas, uh, energy storage, um, you know, it, it, a lot of times it's, it's tough to make it pencil um, whenever you build it into, into residential projects because the cost of energy is so low here in Texas. Um, but there are some, um, some utilities now that are starting to mandate it for some of their incentives and things like that. Um, and so, you know, it's going to be coming eventually. Yeah. What do you think right now as you're in this industry and, and in this world, really, this energy world, what do you think the future is in the next 10 years? for renewable energy at least here at least here in the states yeah i mean you know i mean you just you definitely just saw it with uh the current administration their their huge push i think uh 2035 is the uh you know they want to be 40 percent on renewables or solar so you know there's uh there's a definitely a big push right now you know there's there's you're not going to see any you know new coal fire plants starting up anytime soon um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, everything's going to renewables, you know, it's, I think it's, I think it's with the change in generation as well. Um, sure. you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of the younger generation as the, you know, as they're taking over as the, um, the leaders of the world, um, are looking back and, you know, like, Hey, why aren't we using these technologies? You know, now they're cost effective. You know, if I have, if I have the same cost to put in something that generates a bunch of emissions or something that doesn't why would I go with what generates a bunch of emissions? So, you know, it's, it just, it's starting to make more sense. And I think that it's, uh, you know, the, the more technology is used, the, the, the cheaper in price it comes. And so it makes it more commercially viable and things of that nature. So help me understand this. If in, if in 2035, if they were actually successful, which right. we know how often <laughs> uh, our government is not successful at what it aims to do, but let's, right. say, let's say they hit the mark and it was 40% is now renewable energy. Is that a, I just don't know the, the, the difference between any numbers. Is that a drastic difference between where we are now or is that it is, gradual? Yeah, it's definitely a drastic difference. Okay. So. so things would look much different if that were to be true. Right. Yeah. And would that be primarily on the home side? Would that be on the car side? Like that we're primarily or 40% of the cars on the road are, are electric vehicles versus gas vehicles. Like what does that no, mean? That, I, that's right. I, I, and I haven't read the whole plan yet. It just came out a couple of days ago. It was, uh, you know, it was just a de deployment of, of uh, a lot more solar. So, you know, okay. all new, you know, all new, you know, energy plants instead of building, you know, a nat gas energy plant would be a solar plant or things like that. So, I gotcha. um, so it's a, just a deployment of a lot more. Gotcha. On the residential side, you know, I'm always curious about like a house for myself. Are there certain areas you just can't do it, you know, based on the weather patterns and whether you yeah. have a lot of cloud overhang or whatever, most of the year, how do you get around that if you're in a place where it's not ideal for it? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that there's a location as far as like a um, region that doesn't work well. What I would say is more of the, the home itself or the property itself. You know, are you underneath a bunch of trees, right? You know, there's yeah. some neighborhoods that 
you know, they have tons of large trees over top of it. Well, it probably doesn't make sense to put solar on that. If, you know, if your house is shaded, you know, 95% of the day, um, you know, things like that. So, you know, it's, uh, everything's a little bit different. Um, you know, you have to look at, um, you know, there's never a one size fits all for anything. Totally makes sense. Like, I, I don't think uh, solar will be going to England or Scotland anytime soon with how overcast and rainy right. it is there every freaking day, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, even whenever it's overcast, you still get some, you still get generation. So, oh, really? Yeah. I mean, think about, um, uh, you know, they say, what what is the old adage? You know, your mom used to always tell you whenever you'd go to the beach or whatever else, and you'd be like, oh, it's cloudy. I don't need to put sunscreen on. Well, you can get most sunburn on the cloudiest of days, right? True, true. And it's it's the same sort of thing because those rays are still coming through there. So the so that's, that's what creates the electricity is the rays from the sun um, hitting the semiconductor of the silicon and um, uh, bouncing off those electrons. So it, you know, it doesn't matter as far as heat or anything like that for the photovoltaics that we're using. It's those rays from the sun. So it does yeah. still produce on a cloudy day. Yeah. Point, point taken. That's, that's a great <laughs> point. I, you're right. There's been so many times I thought it's cloudy. I'm not going to put any sunscreen on and then just get roasted at Disney World yeah. or wherever you were as a kid, you know? Yeah. Uh, man, as, let's, let's back up a second. Just as you think about the future, what do you get excited about? I don't mean like the future of the world. I mean, the future of this company as the, as the head of it, what, what gets you up in the morning that gets your, your juices flowing and excited about what you're doing? I mean, just that we're, we're, we're changing the world, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, helping people adapt to, you know, renewable energy and, and make those changes. Um, you know, it's great whenever we get a utility bill from a client that says, you know, Hey, I haven't paid electricity. I haven't paid, you know, the utility in, you know, uh, you know, six months, you know, wow. here's my bill. I have a credit of, you know, $500 on here for the past few months because nothing's been going to them because I'm generating everything, you know, that I consume here and, you know, an excess that's actually going back to the grid and I'm making money off of it. So, you know, those are the, those are the things that excite you whenever you see, um, you know, that your solution for the client was very beneficial and that they're just as excited about it as you are. Totally. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Did you get, well, yeah, I guess that just makes me back up and say, how did you, how did you even get into this field? Did you just stumble your way into it or? Kind of. Um, so out of college, I was in banking and the bank that I worked for did a lot of construction and development financing. Um, I ended up leaving the bank with my friend who was an underwriter there. And we started a company um, doing, you know, structuring construction and development financing for builders and developers, uh, helping them finance their projects. Well, in 2009 was whenever the Great Recession kind of hit Texas, and uh, there was not any construction in the real estate realm going on at all. So um, uh, Obama came out with the American Recovery Act which had a lot of incentives for renewables to help spur the economy. And um, a lot of the developers that we were working with had these large tracts of land. We're trying to figure out what to do with them. And so they started looking at renewable uh, energy for those. And so kind of learned the financing of those projects, um, and, you know, the ins and outs of them, and then eventually started O3 Energy um, to go out and capitalize on developing our own projects and, and installing solar ourselves. Wow. How long, how long did it take before it was obvious that you, you should actually start your own company doing this? Oh, um, probably, that was probably about three years of doing the finance that uh, finally just was like, okay, well, we should go ahead and start a company developing our own projects. Mm. Did anybody think you were crazy or did it feel like the natural series of events? Um, I mean, I felt like the, the natural series of events. I mean, people have always throughout the years thought I was crazy for entrepreneurial stuff that I've done. So it's not, wasn't anything new, I guess, you know, it wasn't, uh, uh, yeah, it wasn't outside of the realm or outside of the box for me to do things like something like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how long, how long until it felt stable, you know, when you were out of the early years of crap, is this going to work? This yeah. is going to pay the bills. How long did it take till it felt stable? Um, I would say about a year and a half, two years. Okay. So, 
to wherever it really felt like it was stable and it wasn't just me doing all the work, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you can feel like it's stable, but you're the one doing all the work. And at the end of the day, if you were to get hit by a bus, your company would go under. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so the, I think that's a really huge transition point in any company is going from that initial, it's me, me, me as the business to the business is here by itself without me if, if I weren't to be here. So, you know, I think there's a, a, a huge uh, a transition point for any company at, yeah. at, at that stage. Yeah, it's, and it's also very confusing sometimes to figure out how yeah. to disentangle yourself from a lot of that work and when, when do I put someone in where and what if they can't do it as well as I'm doing it? Right. How did you guys navigate that transition period? That was definitely very tough for me. I'm not going to lie. I think that's very tough for anyone who's, who's very hands-on is, is exactly what you said. They're bringing in someone else and then, you know, well, they may not do it as well as me or, you know, if they, the first time they go to do something and they don't do it as well as you, you just get frustrated and end up going back to doing it yourself, it right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Take it back. But then, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you do that a few times and you realize, look, I'm not going to grow as a company if I keep doing this myself, you know, going back to the man hours thing, you know, 30 times 24, I don't have that many man hours in my day. Mm. So, you know, the thing that I just had to keep remembering is, you know, learning experience, learning experience, learning experience, you know, if they don't get it right the first time, let's use this as a learning experience to teach them. And if you look at, you know, it took a few times of, you know, at the front end of teaching someone, whenever you bring on a new employee, it's, um, you know, it may, it may seem at the time, like it's taking up a lot more time, but if you were to step back and look at just doing it yourself over the, you know, two years that the employees with you, four years that the employees with you, you know, take a look at that versus the, you know, first two months of how many hours you're having to put in with that person, because, you know, it, it may seem like a lot. It may seem very time intensive at the front to, to, to teach someone how to do that and the mistakes that you're having to correct and things like that. But in the long term, um, you know, it's going to save you a lot of time. And just it's just weighing that in your head um, and just kind of having to to kind of, you know, grit your teeth a little bit like, oh, like, the bullet. <laughs> like just just work through the mistake, even though, you know, you could have done it better uh, or, you know, or correct right off the bat, you know. Yeah. It's hard for me. I mean, we're, we're somewhat there as a business as well. And I just noticed similar to you, how, how, right. emotion, how emotionally difficult it is. And it does, it feels like you're using a lot of resources that you need, whether it's your own time or money, you know, right. because it'd be cheaper if you did it yourself right. on, on the very small scale, Right. but you're losing out on the money because of the, the scale capacity that you could gain by having more people able to do things but you have to pay that upfront cost for that very similar to your probably to your business <laughs> where people have to pay more to get the solar panels installed and all that kind of stuff. But they're banking on that over the years, they're going right. to save so yeah. much more. Right. Yeah. No, a very good metaphor right there. Yeah. That's why I was like, man, that's actually kind of your business model. And then you have, yeah. to, li- you have to live it out <laughs> in real time and be like, Hey, going to have to be patient, going to have to take time to train someone how to do something that I already know how to do. Yeah but believing that the long-term implications were going to be way in your favor, right? Right. How long do you think that lasted, that that kind of transition period before you felt, again, it's always kind of happening in small stages, but before you felt like you'd really shifted it from you doing all the work with some support to now other people starting to do the work that you're supporting? Well, it, it didn't all come at once. I would say it, it, it came as... So, you know, it wasn't just one day that it was like, okay, I'm doing everything in the company to now I've turned over everything to everyone else, right? It's like, okay, well, now I brought on a controller who was now starting to oversee the accounting and I can offload that to him, you know, get that up and going, get him understanding what's going on with the company, all that. And then, okay, here's six months later guess what? We're starting to hire a lot of people and I'm spending a lot of time on interviewing people and things like that. Now I need an HR person. Now I bring on the HR person, start teaching her, him how to do, you know, what you were doing and start coordinating, building those processes with them. And then, Hey, look, now I need 
you know, an operations guy to start overseeing the operations and I can focus on someone with the sales. So, you know, let me start getting that person involved. So it wasn't just all at once. It was kind of pieces as the company grew. And I felt like it made more sense to bring on someone in that role underneath me versus me spending that piece of my time doing that. Yeah. Well, it makes me think about the different seasons a business goes through. So we're talking about that early right. stage where you're going from one man show, maybe a small team of people to scaling, right? Like right. replacing yourself in some situations. It seems like, and I'm curious if you feel the same, it seems like around 30 to 50 people is where you also go through a new season that I call going from organic to organized, where up until now, everything's been somewhat organic, you know? We just kind of know how to do things here. There's not a ton of processes. There's not the need for too much structure. But then it, the amount of people starts to almost necessitate some new levels of organization where you're like, well, now we probably need a process for that. Or now right. we need to name that. Or we need to be better at communicating. And how are we going to do that? Have you guys experienced that? Is that a similar stage you're in? Yeah, I mean, we've been, I would say early on, we started putting together, you know, uh, standard operating procedures and things like that, probably whenever we got to about, I would say probably about 10 employees. Okay. And really, whenever, really, I'd say it started whenever started bringing on that controller or that HR person, when I started offloading like a whole section of the business to someone versus, you know, individual tasks. That's whenever that really started. And it started building those SOPs so that everyone within that group could be on the same page. Yeah. Um, also, not just that, but also filing systems, right? Um, you know, you start getting multiple people, you know, getting on a shared drive, looking for documents and things like that. And if everybody's kind of using their own way to organize it, you're never going to find a document. So, you know, little things like that. It's just, um, you know, just how you can kind of, and at the end of the day, you know, kind of think of the way the military does it right hmm. you know like how would the military organize something like this you know they would look at it as a standard you know standard way to put things together and how people you know work together so that's kind of kind of the thought process behind getting it organized super cool it's uh, yeah great foresight that you you were doing that earlier in the company's growth and later right. um i think you were ahead of i think you're actually ahead of a schedule in a good way yeah thanks we normally see that much later and maybe it's necessitated by even the kind of industry you're in where <laughs> there's got to be some standard operating procedures and, and servicing these accounts and, and things like that that are very particular and you can't really wing, wing that. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Love it. Well, man, this has been fascinating. Let's, let's jump into our lightning round questions and then I'll let you okay. get back to your day. So we've got five lightning round questions that we have asked every founder uh, that's been on the podcast and we're going to do the same with you. So we're going to start with question number one. If you could ingrain one message into your entire organization, what would that message be? Um, treat the company as if it was your own. Hmm. I love that. As if you were the owner. Yeah. Yeah. You take that kind of personal accountability and responsibility for this place, right? Exactly. Personal accountability. Yeah. Love that. All right. Question number two. First thing that comes to mind, you might, you know, if you thought about it more, you might have a different answer, but that's fine. What is the single best advice you've ever gotten about growing your business? And also, what was the worst advice? Oh, shoot. The best <laughs> advice that I ever got about. I, the best advice that I ever got about growing my business. Um, I'd say the best advice that I ever got, ever got about growing business was on the marketing side. Hmm. Um, you know, the, uh, you know, starting off from a, from, you know, growing a business or starting a business, a lot of times you think, oh, I'm just going to create a business and people are just going to come to the business. Right. And a uh, marketing guy told me once, he's like the, um, the biggest mistake that marketing people always have is thinking that people actually give a shit about your business. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's, uh, and that, that's so true. Cause you have to go out and chase the business. You can't just sit there and wait for it to come to you. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's a huge uh, misnomer that people have. Um, from a business standpoint, the worst business advice that I ever got. Oh, oh, I'd say I wouldn't say that this was advice. This was advice that I heard from a um, professor 
uh, a business professor that I heard speaking one time and it was, don't worry about the revenue model. You need to focus on, um, you need to focus on, what was it? Uh, basically he said too many people focus on the revenue model for their business and they need to focus on, um, you know, just what the business stands for. And I was like, I was like, that's, that's a nonprofit. Right. You right. Know, like I understand, a charity. Like, like at the end of the day, if you're a for-profit, you need to figure out what, you know, your revenue model, you know, how you how it's going to make money. You know, if you're just wanting to understand, like, you know, if you're just wanting to stand for something, that's a nonprofit. Yeah. You know, sounds like uh, a great way to create a hobby or, or, or yeah, a charity. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no. I love it. All right. Question number three. What causes you currently the most stress or worry leading this organization? What causes me the most stress or worry? Um, honestly, um, the, the, the environment, I would say, uh, you know, what's going on as far as, you know, um, you know, what's going on, going to happen as far as the economy or what's going to happen as far as, you know, maybe some sort of, you know, governmental changes. Yeah. Yeah. I can totally see that, especially for your industry. Right. Okay. Number four, what is your BHAG, your big, hairy, audacious goal for this company? Um, I would like to surpass a hundred million in uh, revenue um, and uh, eventually either take the company public or um, take on a large investor. Heck yeah. How long, how long do you give yourself to get there? Um, I would say within the next five years. Wow. Awesome. Really exciting to see. Yeah. Okay. Question number five. This is our fun, creative question okay. for you. So we're going to play a game of Back to the Future. If you get to hop into a DeLorean, you get to go back to your past, but there's a rule. You're not there to change anything or whatever, but you get to pass along a message to yourself. When would you go back, and what's the message you would pass along to that younger version of yourself? That's very easy. The very the first thing that I would do is go back to someone like myself that was, uh, you know, starting off as far as whenever I was first starting businesses, and say, um, find a, uh, you know, find a, a mentor or someone who has been through it before, and you know that you can pick your, you know, pick their brain and bounce things off of. Love it. Love it. Brad, this has been awesome, man. Thank you for going on this journey with me. Let me take a deep dive into your world, your company's world, and it is clear to see why you have been so successful, and I'm excited to see your continued success in the future. So I appreciate you being here, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, Drew. Yes, sir. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.